This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Smiling at Sin. The Relationship Between Pope Francis and Father Martin. Before we go into the content of this podcast, we want to read you a statement from the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. Taking a Principled, Not a Personal Stand As practicing Catholics, we are filled with compassion and pray for those who struggle against violent temptation to sin, be it toward homosexual sin or otherwise. We are conscious of the enormous difference between these individuals who struggle with their weaknesses and strive to overcome them and others who transform their sin into a reason for pride and try to impose their lifestyle on society as a whole in flagrant opposition to traditional Christian morality and natural law. However, we pray for them too. According to the expression attributed to St. Augustine, we hate the sin, but love the sinner. And to love the sinner, as the same doctor of the church explains, is to wish him the best we can possibly desire for ourselves, namely, that he may love God with a perfect affection. See St. Augustine of the Morals of the Catholic Church, number 49. Today, the Return to Order moment discusses the relationship between the two men who are, perhaps, the Catholics about whom Americans have heard the most, Pope Francis and Father James Martin. Father Martin is best known for his advocacy for homosexuals within the Church. His very public stand openly violates Catholic doctrine, but has been applauded by Pope Francis. Mr. Luis Sergio Salomeo considers the relationship between these two men in his essay, Father Martin Smiles at the Sin of Homosexuality, and Pope Francis thanks him. Father James Martin, S.J., with his cheerful face, a smile on his lips, smooth and buttery voice, is perhaps the homosexual movement's leading theologian and propagandist. When referring to LGBT people and the LGBT community in his writings and presentations, he does not clarify whether he is speaking of people afflicted with same-sex attraction but resist temptation with the help of grace, or those who habitually fall into the sin against nature. However, The context of his words and attitudes, and the way homosexual activists welcome them strongly, support the notion that he means those who fall into the sin of homosexualism. The title of his book on the homosexual movement is suggestive. Building a Bridge, How the Catholic Church and the LGBT Community Can Enter into a Relationship of Respect, Compassion, and Sensitivity. The LGBT acronym applies to the homosexual movement, a group of activists who not only practice the vice against nature, but seek to impose on society the acceptance of their unnatural practices and way of life as normal and even virtuous. In his book, Father Martin proposes eliminating the qualifications of same-sex attraction as, quote, objectively disordered, unquote, from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The underlying thought is that if same-sex attraction is not disordered, 
but normal and according to nature, then sexual relations between two people of the same sex must also be normal and natural. Therefore, one must see homosexualism as normal and good. Father Martin's book is a development of a lecture he gave thanking the pro-homosexual New Ways Ministry for giving him their bridge-building award. It is important to realize that Catholic bishops have condemned New Ways Ministry for its doctrinal errors. That Father Martin has mainly in mind those who indulge in homosexual relations when he speaks of LGBT people and LGBT community is also suggested by his answers to a homosexual journalist. On August 29, 2017, journalist Brandon Ambrosino, a theology graduate from Villanova University, interviewed Father Martin at the same university. During their conversation, he told Father Martin he was a homosexual, went to Mass with his partner, and regretted not being able to kiss and hug him at the sign of peace, as heterosexual couples do. Father Martin answered, I hope in ten years you will be able to kiss your partner or soon to be your husband. Why not? What's the terrible thing? Unquote. The terrible thing is for a priest to show his support for a public expression of homosexuality in the church during Mass and to boot to endorse so-called same-sex marriage. The terrible thing is a sin, an offense against God, a revolt against His law, the law of sanctifying grace, and the danger of eternal damnation. Father Martin upholds such moral absurdities based on a theology drawn from the modernist heresy. For modernists, faith, which is the basis and the foundation of all religion, consists in a sentiment which originates from a need of the divine. Therefore, Religion and faith are not based on divine revelation. It all depends on the person. It is up to the people to decide what to believe and how to act. The magisterium should not tell them this. Consequently, dogma and moral norms only become normative when accepted by the people. Father Martin gave this explanation in the same interview at Villanova University. For example, he said, LGBT people accept the dogma of assumption. However, the LGBT community does not accept the church's command that homosexuals practice chastity, and therefore, the norm is not binding. Quote, for a teaching to be really authoritative, it is expected that it will be received by the people of God, by the faithful, Father Martin states. He goes on to say, From what I can tell in the LGBT community, the teaching that LGBT people must be celibate their entire lives, not just, you know, before marriage, as it is for most people, but their entire lives has not been received. 
The teaching, therefore, has not been received by the community to which it was largely directed, unquote. Father Martin is saying that homosexuals need not keep chastity because they have not received it, i.e., they do not accept this precept of God's law as taught by the magisterium of the church. That is also Sister Janine Gramick's theology. Like Father Martin, she is linked to the homosexual movement and is a co-founder of the heretical New Ways Ministry. She states, The faith must come from the people. And so, if there are people within the Catholic community and theologians who believe that the traditional sexual ethics needs to change, we need to raise our voices and say that. We need to get other people to come on board to understand that. We have to change people's attitudes, unquote. However, according to scripture and church tradition, Dogma and morals cannot be modified or adapted to people's feelings, passions, and interests. Like many of his counterparts, Father Martin suggests that God being love, see 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, he loves the sinner regardless if he violates the commandments of his eternal law. But this argument leads to the absurd and contradictory statement that the Creator's love can run counter to His wisdom, because, as St. Thomas teaches, the eternal law is nothing else than the type of divine wisdom as directing all actions and movements, unquote. On the contrary, although God loves man as His creature, He hates sin, the offense done to his infinite majesty. The angelic doctor quotes the psalmist, Thou hates all the workers of iniquity, unquote, and explains that God loves the good existing in his rational creatures, but when they sin, quote, under this aspect they are hated by him, unquote. The way someone lives determines their eternal destiny, for, as the same doctor says, according to divine justice, an eternal reward is due to temporal merit. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have life everlasting, and I will raise Him up in the last day. See John chapter 6 verse 40. Therefore, according to divine justice, an everlasting punishment is due to temporal guilt. Nevertheless, St. Thomas states that even in the damnation of the reprobate, mercy is seen, which, though it does not totally remit, yet somewhat alleviates in punishing short of what is deserved. Father Martin does not practice true charity towards sinners, which consists in alerting them to their evil and trying to return them to the path of virtue. Instead, he considers that, in their state of revolt against the law of God, 
LGBT people are a gift for the church. In his book, Building a Bridge, he writes, LGBT Catholics bring unique gifts to the church, both as individuals and as a community. These gifts build up the church in special ways, as St. Paul wrote when he compared the people of God to a human body. See 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27. Supposedly, promoters of sin would enrich the church. That is an absurd statement. The truth is that only those in the state of grace are living members of the mystical body of Christ. Whoever is in mortal sin is a dead member. See John chapter 15 verse 6. And those who adhere to heresies cast themselves out of the church of their own accord. See Titus chapter 3 verses 10 to 11. True compassion stems from charity. Now the object of this virtue is God, whose love extends to creatures. Hence, the virtue of compassion seeks to bring God to the one who suffers and make him participate in God's infinite love. St. Augustine has this beautiful sentence, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now you love yourself suitably when you love God better than yourself. What then you aim at in yourself, you must aim at in your neighbor, namely, that he may love God with a perfect affection. Thus, we should commiserate with another's sufferings. We must love our neighbor, but always for the love of God. Forsaking God's wisdom, Father Martin has embraced the wisdom of the world, which is foolishness with God. See 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19. For all that is in the world is the concupiscence of the flesh, and the concupiscence of the eyes, and the pride of life, which is not of the Father, but is of the world. See 1 John chapter 1, verse 16. That is why Father Martin enjoys the support of the world and of those who love it. See John chapter 15 verse 19. He has just been the object of a documentary on his support of the homosexual movement. Like his book, the movie is titled Building a Bridge. The executive producer of this propaganda film is Martin Scorsese notorious for his anti-Catholic movies. In 1988, he directed the blasphemous movie The Last Temptation of Christ, adapted from the anti-Christian novel of the same name. Quote, The film depicts the life of Jesus Christ and his struggle with various forms of temptation, including fear, doubt, depression, reluctance, and lust. The book and the film depict Christ being tempted by imagining himself engaged in sexual activities, which has caused outrage from some Christians, The TFP promoted protests against this abomination when it was first released. In 2016, 
Assisted by Father Martin, Scorsese also produced the film Silence, in which a Jesuit allegedly apostatizes from the faith. Throughout, the documentary shows Father Martin smiling. Spectators see him relaxed and smiling, even when faced with the tragic state of sin. The movie could even be titled Father Martin's Smile. For example, when participating in his award ceremony by the New Ways Ministry Homosexual Movement, he recounted his visit to a family with three teenage children without mentioning any moral reservations. One teenager was homosexual, another transgender, and the third bisexual. He pointed out that their mother told him she loves all three. The film features Father Martin's encounter with the family. In another scene, the Jesuit visits another family in which the boy declares himself a homosexual. He has not a single word about the need to turn away from sin, return to God, and fight for one's salvation and sanctification with the help of grace. Just that friendly and disarming smile. There is no sin that God will not pardon when there is serious repentance. The psalmist says, A contrite and humbled heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. See Psalm 50, verse 19. Helped by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, one can say with St. Paul, I have the strength for everything through him who empowers me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. To do a genuine apostolate means showing someone the evil of sin and how it diverts him from his true purpose to love God above all things. It is to lead the sinner to a change of heart, make him an earnest sacramental confession, and help him to persevere in virtue. That is not what you see in the film or in Father Martin's writings and actions. The film reports that, quote, three months after the Pride Mass in which he participated, Father Martin had a private audience with Pope Francis, unquote, and felt encouraged by it. The film also informs, in June 2021, Pope Francis wrote him a letter stating, I pray that you continue in this way, being close, compassionate, and with great tenderness. Unquote. On May 5, 2022, Father Martin wrote Pope Francis informing him of his new website, Outreach, an LGBTQ Catholic resource, and asking three short questions. Pope Francis responded with a handwritten letter a mere three days later on May 8th. Here are Father Martin's questions and Pope Francis's answer. Question. What would you say is the most important thing for LGBT people to know about God? Answer. God is Father and He does not disown any of His children. And the style of God is closeness, mercy, and tenderness. Along this path, you will find God. Question. 
What would you like LGBT people to know about the church? Answer. I would like for them to read the book of the Acts of the Apostles. There they will find the image of the living church. Question. What do you say to an LGBT Catholic who has experienced rejection from the church? Answer. I would have them recognize it not as the rejection of the church, but instead of people in the church. The church is a mother and calls together all her children. Take, for example, the parable of those invited to the feast, the just, the sinners, the rich, and the poor, etc. See Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 15, and Luke chapter 14, verses 15 to 24. A selective church, one of pure blood, is not Holy Mother Church, but rather a sect. Unquote. Pope Francis closes affectionately, quote, Thank you for everything you do. I pray for you. Please do so for me. May Jesus bless you, and may the Holy Virgin guard you. Fraternally, Francis. Unquote. Not a single word of abandonment and repentance of sin was said. We must not be discouraged amid the terrible storm ravaging the church and the betrayal of many who should be models of virtue. Our Lord Jesus Christ is with her until the end of time. See Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Let us bear in mind St. Paul's beautiful words. Christ also loved the church and delivered himself up for it that he might sanctify it, cleansing it by the laver of water in the word of life, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. See Ephesians chapter 5, verses 24 to 27. Father Martin is not the only priest campaigning for the acceptance of homosexual sin. Far from it. In 2017, Mr. Salomeo looked at the statements of a number of priests engaged in this movement. He relates those statements in his essay, Progressive Clergy Intend to Normalize the Sin of Sodomy. Although any conscious surrender to lust is a mortal sin, some are graver than others. Adultery is graver than simple fornication. Incest is graver than adultery. And the sins against nature are graver still. Sins against nature are opposed to the purpose of sexual intercourse, and also are, as St. Thomas Aquinas said, quote, contrary to the natural order of the venereal act as becoming to the human race, unquote. Since the practice of sodomy seriously undermines the moral order, it was included among those sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance. According to scripture, those sins are voluntary homicide, see Genesis chapter 4 verse 10, sodomy, see Genesis chapter 19 verse 13, oppression of widows and orphans, See Exodus chapter 22, verse 22, 
and depriving workers of their just wage. See Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 17, and James chapter 5, verse 4. At the time of the papal statement, Who am I to judge? and of Amoris Laetitiae, progressive clergy, including bishops and cardinals, intend to normalize not only adultery, but homosexual practice as well. Since space does not allow us to list all the expressions of sympathy to the homosexual movement made by prominent clergymen, we will cite a few recent examples. On April 7, 2017, Kevin Joseph Cardinal Farrell, who was recently chosen by Francis to head the Vatican's dicastery for the laity, family, and life, praised the book Building a Bridge, How the Catholic Church and the LGBT Community Can Enter into a Relationship of Respect, Compassion, and Sensitivity by pro-homosexual Jesuit priest Father James Martin. He wrote a promotional blurb for the book, quote, A welcome and much-needed book that will help bishops, priests, pastoral associates, and all church leaders more compassionately minister to the LGBT community. Unquote. A few days later, Father James Martin was appointed by Pope Francis to the Vatican Secretariat for Communications. Later that same month, Bishop John Stowe of Lexington, Kentucky, spoke at the so-called Catholic Homosexual New Ways Ministry Symposium in Chicago. This organization has been condemned by the Catholic bishops because of its position against the doctrine of the Catholic Church. On May 5, 2017, Father James Martin tweeted about the saints, quote, some of them were probably gay. A certain percentage of humanity is gay, and so were most likely some of the saints. You may be surprised when you get to heaven to be greeted by LGBT men and women, unquote. Father Martin later deleted the tweet. On May 21, 2017, Joseph Cardinal Tobin, Archbishop of Newark, welcomed an LGBT pilgrimage to the Cathedral Basilica of the Sacred Heart in Newark, New Jersey. The homosexual movement employs words and concepts as semantic weapons to change individuals and society. Concepts like compassion are meant to build acceptance, while others, like homophobia, are meant to inhibit and even paralyze reactions. By affixing the homophobic label to its opponents, the movement hopes to both intimidate and disqualify its antagonists, brushing off their arguments based on right reason as irrational fears. Those who defend natural law and the Ten Commandments should scorn this dishonest tactic. They should challenge the demagogical use of the homophobe label by asking for the scientific basis for this so-called phobia, which was discovered by a pro-homosexual psychologist intent on pushing the homosexual agenda. Unfortunately, 
the progressive clergy adopted the concepts and tactics of the homosexual movement and even uses churches and religious ceremonies to disseminate them. Thus, in the month of May, ecumenical ceremonies were held in Protestant temples and Catholic churches as part of the International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia. Prayer vigils against homophobia were held, for example, in Catholic parishes and shrines in Barcelona, Seville, Milan, Reggio Emilia, Palermo, Bologna, Naples, Padua, Pinerolo, Genoa, Pistoria, and Florence. In Rome, the demonstration was held in the Piazza del Campidoglio. Paolo Rodari, Vaticanist of Rome's daily La Repubblica, in the article titled The Church's Turnaround, Open Doors to Gays, Anti-Homophobia Vigils Held in Parishes, explains that the Church's new stance supporting homosexuality and so-called transgenderism is due to Pope Francis. He writes, We must welcome and accompany homosexuals and transgenders. This is what Jesus would do today. The turning point came after these precise and punctual words by Pope Francis less than a year ago, October 2016, returning from a trip to Georgia and Azerbaijan. And it has infected part of the Catholic world. So much so that from the day after tomorrow until the end of May, different parishes, Italian and not, will join the World Day for the Fight Against Homotransphobia. The first cities will be Milan and Seville. In the city of Reggio Emilia, the vigil for homosexuals and transgenders was held in the parish of Regina Pacis, whose pastor, Father Paolo Cugini, is a promoter of liberation theology and the subversive movement it inspired in Brazil, grassroots ecclesial communities. Thus, in his blog, we read a summary of his speech during the Prayer Vigil for the Victims of Homophobia, Transphobia, and All Forms of Discrimination held at the Church of Regina Pacis, Reggio Emilia, 14 May 2017. In language typical of liberation theology, Father Cugini says that, quote, No one is to be judged, because God is not a respecter of persons. See Acts chapter 10, verse 34, unquote. And continuing in the same vein, quote, God stands on the side of the little ones, the marginalized, scorned, and discriminated persons, unquote. The fact that a person is in a public state of sin does not matter. He confirms the Vaticanist Paolo Rodari's consideration above about the influence of Pope Francis in the change that is occurring in the Church regarding the homosexual movement. Our strength, says Father Cugini, comes from the words of Pope Francis on the subject, uttered a while ago. These persons must be welcomed, not pushed away. We are going in this direction thanks to him. Unquote. 
Such kindness toward the homosexuals and transgenders was not extended to Catholics who care about the Ten Commandments and strive to live according to the faith. Let us see how a group of lay Catholics from Reggio Emilia was treated when they were promoting a penance procession on June 3rd, the same day a homosexual parade was held in the city. These laymen placed themselves under the protection of Blessed Giovanni Scopelli, a 15th century Carmelite born in Reggio Emilia, who led a life of mortification for the church. Their initiative, soon joined by more than 1,500 people, received the support of Raymond Cardinal Burke, Bishop Athanasius Schneider, and the theologian Father Antonio Levy, a former professor at the Lateran University. From the Diocese of Reggio Emilia, however, the initiative received only criticism. Father Goccini, in charge of the diocese's youth pastoral outreach, went so far as to say that, quote, Praying in reparation for the sins of others is an act of presumption, unquote. So, would Jesus on the cross, praying for his enemies and persecutors, be committing an act of presumption? What of Our Lady, who appeared in Fatima and asked for sacrifices as an act of reparation for the sins with which he is offended and for the conversion of sinners? And what to say of so many saints that made sacrifices for sinners? Bishop Massimo Kamisaka, while allowing a parish in his diocese to be used in a ceremony to support the homosexual movement, made it clear that he does not support the group of lay people who promoted the penitential procession. One reason given is that they did not ask his permission to hold a religious procession. One would expect him, in his apostolic zeal, to seek them out and find a way to hold such a meritorious act of penance. The Church of our Lord Jesus Christ, through a mysterious divine permission, has gone through innumerable crises to test the fidelity of the good and increase their merits. See 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19. However, Despite the seriousness of the Arian crisis and the Protestant revolt, it can be said that neither equaled the present crisis in its gravity or extension. But the mystical spouse of Christ has the promise of indefectibility. Even when our Lord seems to sleep in the boat of Peter, see Matthew chapter 8 verses 25 to 26, He is actually watching over his church to prevent her from losing courage and to keep her doctrine and sacraments within the reach of those who have true zeal and love for the church. Therefore, we must not lose heart in the struggle to defend the doctrine and morals which come to us from the apostles and are enshrined in the traditional magisterium of the popes and councils in catechisms, and in treatises by great theologians. Let us keep on fighting while waiting for divine intervention. Let us be ready, for the Apocalypse says, Behold, 
I am coming soon. I bring with me the recompense that I will give to each according to his deeds. See Revelation chapter 22 verse 12. May Mary most holy, who alone defeated all heresies, help us to remain faithful in the midst of the storm. This concludes Smiling at Sin, the relationship between Pope Francis and Father Martin. Thank you so much for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. These articles are expansively footnoted. Links to the original articles are posted in the show notes for the convenience of those who want to examine Mr. Salomeo's sources of information. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating through the service through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. So, by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition, subscribers gain access to all the previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book, which spells out the motivations behind our work. Mr. John Horvat's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2022 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.